Hello, everybody, and welcome to What's On Draft, the podcast where we each draft five picks from a prompt we've written from books, music, movies, TV shows, or anything else in the universe. And you, the listener, tell us whose picks should not have been in the envelope. My name is Paul, and I'm joined this episode by my usual co-hosts, Cameron and Michael. Guys, how's it going? Hey, it's going pretty good. I think by the time this is posted, uh, the Braves would have been knocked out by the playoffs, but still holding out hope. Um, <laughs> so let's see if I hopefully I'm wrong, but I just I just feel like you just you just not uh, feeling uh, uh, it, the the best team in baseball rarely wins the World Series. Right. No. Right. The playoffs are a crap crapshoot. Yeah. In MLB, I mean, the fact and that I really, the fact I really that, hate. That, that they don't have, they should all be seven game series. There's yeah. no instance where baseball should be decided in fewer than seven games because it's a it's a game of a. I mean, it's a it, the game is about like long haul attrition. Like any more than any sport, the worst team in the league could beat the best team in one game, um, which is why the game. This, that's why the sport has 160 games in a season, and football mm-hmm. has 18 or whatever. Um, because that you just can't do that. So I hate the five game series already. Um, I hate the I hate the 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 one seed uh, rest, right? Don't they mm-hmm. they get a they get a buy, right? Yeah, but it's a buy that's longer than the All Star break, right? I know <laughs> so it's huge. Don't I saw, play forever. Yeah, and I saw that the only two uh, series that like the Braves. Uh, uh, the only back-to-backs they they lost their first two series outside after the All Star break. They're like they had yeah. a hard time getting back in. So I was like, oh my god. So I'm just I'm upset about that. So I'm resigned that they're going to get knocked out again because they were the best team going in, or at least one of the best teams going in. And uh, so yeah, I'm calling it now, uh, listeners. And they don't reseed after the first round. So the number one seed mm. usually plays a better team than the number two seed. I know. I hate that like too. None of it, it, the whole format makes no sense. It's like, it's better to be like the, the bet, the better wildcard team than it is to be a division winner almost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. I mean, that's how they won it, right? Weren't they a wildcard team in uh, 2021? Oh, no, no. They won the, they won the division. Oh, you're right. They did because they're on six straight. Uh, Now they were, a bad they were a much worse regular season team yeah because they had a bad first half but then they ended up winning the division Mm -hmm. so uh, but that was before they added the because now uh there's just so many teams that make the playoffs too i know and don't get me started about the one game the one game thing that's ridiculous that's like that's pretty much like saying hey let's flip a coin see who goes on right yeah Right, but well, I, I have a sports I, rant. The, uh, yeah, podcast sorry. Where we rant about sports. Sorry. We've got I a do caller have a... on the line. Uh, Michael, <laughs> welcome to the show. Mike in Bentonville. Mike, how's it going? Thanks. Long time listener. First time caller. You got a question or a comment, Mike? It's been a pretty good week. I'm glad for the cooler weather. <laughs> Although I went to the Arena Sawayama concert the other night and I, it was a little that. frigid i saw that also if i was jim rome i would have dropped you by now that's a bad call it's a bad sports call uh, <laughs> but i'm not but i saw i saw that post i saw you guys at the concert yeah this is a good it was a good show but again it was really cold it was cold man it was it's been unusually not unusually cold i think we hit our first cold snap uh 
well, we got to do something first. Uh, let's, uh, let's just do today's question and answer time, which, um, <clears throat> I think is one we haven't done before. Um, I made the mistake of clicking the button to read like the new ones, uh, when we weren't doing an episode. So then I lost the ability to filter <laughs> by, um, uh, which ones are new, but I hadn't published this one on Spotify. So I, I knew there was a new one out there. I think this is it. This one comes from the NBA trivia episode that Cameron put together, which was the most clutch players in NBA returning guests. Nate came on for that one. And he and I had to try and guess who had hit the most clutch shots. Um, so slight spoiler for the episode. Uh, Nate took uh, Kevin Durant. And then I, with the next pick, uh, wanted to just go ahead and take a shot with uh, Russell Westbrook to see if I could um, get lucky with a KD versus Russ head-to-head. -head. And I did not because it turned out that Russ, although he has hit a lot of game winners, apparently not under the definition of clutch <laughs> that we had uh, for the playoffs specifically. And so uh, Jordan uh, commented on that one and said uh, he knew that Westbrook would be low, but he did not think that he would be the dud. So he, like mm. me, thought pretty low, but uh, at the time I thought, because KD was also pretty low, so at the time I thought I had some wiggle room to do something funny and see if Westbrook would be better than Durant and uh, shot myself in the foot. I'm having a little deja vu. I'm wondering if you haven't read this comment before, Paul. We might have, we might have read it before. Okay. Uh, but uh, I knew we read all the other ones that I clicked on, and that one... I hadn't published it to uh, Spotify. So, uh, but either way, listeners, we may have told you that information before. Uh, we may have not. We may have just given Jordan an extra shout out. But that's the kind of service that you can get on What's on Draft. If you leave a comment, you could get an extra shout out. You could get two shout outs for answering a question, potentially, maybe even three. Who knows how incompetent I can get with the question and answer time segment. So uh, at the end of every episode, there is a question and uh, you can provide an answer for it on Spotify and then we'll read it and give you a shout out on an episode. So um, this episode will have one when you get to the end of it. Just uh, scroll down on Spotify or if you're not on Spotify, but you do have the app, there's a link in the episode description from whatever podcast service you're using. Just click that link. It should open Spotify up and then you can um, click on this episode, answer the question and we'll read it out. Because tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be drafting the movies that won Worst Picture at the Razzies. So these are the movies that won the Golden Raspberry Award for the worst film uh, for that year based on the Razzie voters. We are going to be trying to select a selection from them that we think are the most watchable of the worst movies. So we are going to take five movies. Now, when you, listener, go to vote on the winner for this episode, uh, this is what you're voting on. You're voting for the collection of five movies where you would be willing to sit down and watch all of them. So you have to watch all five movies in the collection. What we mean by that is, say Michael takes a movie from this list that you 
actually really love. Like you, you think it shouldn't have won the award because it's a great movie, but then he has four movies that you just really detest after it. And I have five movies that you think are just mediocre. Well, that might sway you, right? Because you can watch the movie you really love, but you're going to have to watch the other four as well. So just keep that in mind as you're voting that you're balancing the collection of five movies because you do have to watch all of them. Uh, and so our goal is to put together a selection of five movies that are the most enjoyable and watchable out of the options that we have. Uh, I think that uh, pretty much sums it up. It's pretty simple because we have a set list. Uh, we're just taking the worst picture winners. So anything else that I need to add to that, guys? Or are we ready to kick it off? Do we want to make it... Uh, you have to draft stuff you've seen? Or is the list too limited? Because it is pretty... It's a short list. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if that's even possible. I, mean, I, I, I know I, I've seen at least five, but once... Well, that's coming off the board. I know. I I've seen twelve. So like, unless yeah. y'all have to really leave mine alone, uh, or not. Leave, I mean, I can only afford y'all. You know, stealing so many. So uh, okay, we could say you have to draft that until you've drafted everything you've seen, or we could just say just draft straight. I would up. say just um, open draft. Then okay, don't that's even, fine. Yeah. I mean, you'll be able to make a better pitch if you've seen the movie. So mm -hmm. there is yeah, right. There's always the fear that you're taking like a bad movie that's actually fun to watch, or or I'm sorry, it's hard to know yeah. if that's the case or not. So right, you'd be going in blind. Like it could be an awful movie. So um, <laughs> yeah, it could just be like despite the description on the back of the case. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a lot of movies that have a good concept that mm -hmm. then are very poorly executed. Oh, there's a couple on here that I, that uh, I think definitely fit that, that pattern. Yeah. Yeah. This I, is, uh, you know, I suggested the topic, uh, because there's a lot, you know, a lot of people do like overrated lists, like mm -hmm. things that are overrated. And I've just gotten to the point where I much prefer to talk about things that are underrated mm. because, you know, the, the whole concept with the Razzies, I think is a little gotten a little, old at this point because if you look at the movies that and you know i'm sure we'll talk about this with several of these movies it's just so hard to make a movie that like holds together as even just a singular plot and if you watch a movie that just doesn't work then you're like oh at least these movies had competent people like working on them right that one <laughs> worst picture Mm -hmm. uh, for the, for the most part, um, there's a few that just completely fell apart, but some of most of them are at least like a complete narrative. And then if you watch something that's just done by amateurs, it just really shows you how difficult it is to make a movie from start to finish. Right. There's a, uh, I forget who said it, but there's someone who's their quote is like, every movie is a miracle, like just getting a movie from start to finish. Now. Right. Um, so yeah, I thought, let's just see if we can, uh, talk up some of these movies that, uh, that won the worst picture. I follow a lot of artists and in, in that is also a group of animators. And so one of them had commented on Instagram. I just saw it today and they're saying how we can reduce the animation cost 
by 20%. And it went through all of this, the steps that basically hurt a movie. And they said, starting without having the script finalized, uh, not having things changed because they ran focus groups. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, basically taking it out of the director's hands, uh, <laughs> waiting till like, the very end to do all of the animation when your budget's gone. <laughs> yeah, it was just a long list of things that that Hollywood apparently uh, does all the time, and so that yeah. could be the reason for some of these issues with the movies on our list today. Oh yeah, there's a few uh, that I knew already. Like studio interference had a big, a big uh, impact on them. Mm. All right. Well, I have randomized the draft order. Uh, Michael has the first pick, Cameron in the middle spot, and then me rounding out the first round with the back-to-back picks. So, Michael, what is uh, the the best of the worst, in your opinion? This one's difficult, and I feel like I have to draft almost... I'm trying to get in your mindset, the two of you, and... Think about what might be on your list. And this one actually was successful at the box office. And it recently made a list of <laughs> the top 25. Uh, I think they called it a Rock'em Sock'em movie. <laughs> Just, you know, violent movie. Mm-hmm. But I am going to take 1985's Rambo First Blood Part 2 for my number one overall pick here. And it had made over 300 million uh, domestically, I believe. So it was the, I think, top two or top three performing movie that year. So it it did well, but still earned the Razzie for the worst movie. Yeah, this one was high on my list. Uh, it's just, it's a competently made action film. It's good, uh, you know, action scenes and things like that. It's just, you know, the, uh, I think the, the criticism that it got was that Rambo was, um, sort of a novel approach to action movies. It sort of showed, you know, a darker side to the main character and dealt with issues of like the psychological effect of violence. And then this was just a regular eighties action movie. So it was maybe disappointing as a sequel to Rambo, or maybe people just thought Rambo didn't need a sequel, which was a lot of the criticism at the time. But uh, in terms of just having to watch a movie, you know, it's, it's just a solid action movie. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I read about it was that it's, something that has influenced a lot of other movies that came after and has been parodied in other media. So I feel like that also is important. You know, it made enough of a cultural impact that people are copying it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have this, I have this as um, number one, number two on my list. So uh, I uh, go ahead and mark it as a steal. I'd say it's pretty, pretty worthy given that I, uh, I mean, it definitely wasn't to get back to you for sure. Um, I would have taken it first and second round um, if it even got back to me. So uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I think I saw this one first. This was the first Rambo I saw. I don't think I saw the original Rambo before I saw this one. Um, so 
yeah. this one I, is very campy. I mean, the, uh, the over the top, um, you know, explosive arrows um, before Hawkeye. <laughs> Before Hawkeye, right? And trailblazing is what he was. And uh, I think my favorite part is that uh, spoilers are on here because it's 40 years ago, but uh, <laughs> just for the record, uh, we won't spoil maybe anything in the last 10 years, but uh, he, at the end, he, he fake crashes a helicopter and just has it like operating halfway in the water and then when the guys think he's like downed and like you know dead then he shoots them with the bazooka and then takes the helicopter back up from the water it's just bizarre just a bizarre strategy that like in, in no way has anything close to the realm of reality but uh but it works it works so mm. uh yeah yeah no it this one i feel like was more likely than the first rambo to be the movie that's randomly on TV in the middle of the afternoon, you know, like you get home mm -hmm. from school, you just flip on TBS or whatever. And it's like a highly censored version of Rambo first blood part two. So probably, I think I probably also saw it first because it was more available mm -hmm. uh, when we mm -hmm. were sort of watching movies. The first one he is arrested and then escapes and ends up basically fighting against law enforcement. Right. Yeah, he is a Vietnam vet that mm -hmm. has PTSD. So mm -hmm. when they arrest him and the cops, uh, you know, the cops are like sort of abusive and, and bad. Yeah, guys, he has long it, hair and he's a vagrant. Right. You know, he's and just coming through town. So it sort of just triggers him to go all out. And so, yeah, it's a, a much more morally interesting premise, <laughs> but... And that's probably why it doesn't play on TBS or USA right. all the yeah, time. Yeah, it's just not the one. It's not one that you can just turn on. You know, there's a lot of scenes of him in the woods just, like, getting traps ready. And mm -hmm. uh, part two is mostly just firing guns. So mm -hmm. you can hook someone anytime they, they turn it on. All right, well, okay. that's, well, I, I feel uh, like that was a successful first pick for me. Yeah. That was, that's that was no Canadian bacon. <laughs> It's not the Canadian bacon of films. Uh, and it took one off my list. So I'm hoping Cameron doesn't knock another one of my top movies off. But let's see what he's got. Uh, what's the Canadian bacon reference? What am I missing? I think that was my number one draft pick for pizza toppings. And y'all were like, that would not have been my number one pick. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 no, we've, yeah. we've mocked him several times for That's that. That's right. That's true. Oh, that, that was a bad pick. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, I, I hold by it. I like Canadian bacon, especially if I'm gonna make a Hawaiian pizza. And if that's the goal, I need that. Um, all right, well, you, you got one of my uh, so uh, like I said earlier, I've seen I went ahead and I, I, I put this into Excel, um, all whatever 48 movies, 46 movies. Um, I have seen 12 of them. Um, and so I threw in another three, um, into my list so that I have my top 15 that I can draft, um, and, and Rambo. And then I rated them one through five and Rambo was, um, one of two fives. So one of the two, the top two that I had here. So I'm gonna go with the other top one here, uh, personal favorite. Um, it's just, you know, as a completionist, you have to watch it. Um, I do think while it's probably the worst movie of this franchise, it does have some moments that are, are somewhat enjoyable as well as some interesting concepts that were for good reason, never revisited, but, uh, 
nevertheless, um, it, it, it's an essential watch if you are a completionist. I'm going Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. Um, you know, I still remember buying my first Star Trek box set, VHS, and watching them all in order in about a weekend, I think. And uh, you get to five. And I mean, five is just, it's out there. It, it doesn't really, um, doesn't really have a great story that is anchored in reality, like most Star Trek movies and, and shows do to some degree. Um, so this is the one where essentially a, a, a rogue philosopher, half Vulcan, um, commandeers the enterprises and kind of cons people or uh what would you say kind of like a like a cult uh yeah. into them letting him take the ship into the great barrier of the galaxy um to a planet there um where apparently he's hoping to find god uh interesting concept for a open universe universe um that they're trying to find a deity um that they think is a uh, uh, you know, uh, running the the Star Trek universe, or, or, so to speak, and uh, just a little bit bizarre, a lot bizarre. Um, the, but the part, the, the you know that that alone doesn't sink the movie. The movie has trouble with way too many characters that are coming in. They don't do much. Everything's like sort of just servicing the plot um and uh uh the the ending is not great um but what i do like the, about the movie is it it is a it is a strong uh like tos you know trio movie of kirk mccoy and spock those three are together pretty much the whole movie so it kind of it kind of throws back to the original series where those were the three main characters um, and there's some good quips between the three of them, especially but with Spock um, uh, and McCoy and, and Spock and Kirk. There's some some good stuff there. Um, so I, I, I like some aspects of the of the movie, not necessarily the plot um, and, and the newer characters being being brought in. But um, it's a, it's a must watch for for Star Trek fans. And I wouldn't mind having it in a in a in a, in a run of five movies. I'm being forced to watch, especially if the other four were. Leading up to this one, sure. if you get to draft yeah. Star Trek's one through four, no, <laughs> yeah, so, I, you're, uh, step, you're stepping all over my picks here. Hang on. <laughs> no, I had this one um, up high. I didn't put it uh, maybe as high as like Rambo. My concern being, uh, if I'm thinking about somebody voting and wanting to watch through all of them, right? For me. I'd much rather watch Star Trek five than any five other of these films. But if you're not into Star Trek, it is almost a two hour movie and um, uh, Shatner's direction doesn't lend a lot of interesting visual flair to what's going on in this one. And so if, you know, if you're, if you really don't like philosophical sci-fi, it's hard to sit through. Right. So for me, that stuff's interesting. Uh, but I could see it being a divisive one in mm. terms of somebody mm -hmm. having to watch it. Mm -hmm. Well, I, here's, I, I, I would say that, uh, you know, it's a good feather in your cap to watch what is considered to be the worst Star Trek movie. Um, because then you can get that under your belt and then know that there's nowhere to go, but up, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like watching, it's like, you have to watch this bad movie. You know, uh, this is one of those movies. Um, you just have to watch. 
I yeah. did some reading about this one preparing for this draft. If I've seen it, I don't really remember it. It has been years and years and years. But this is one that is, is funnily enough, uh, was impacted by a writer strike. Oh, interesting. I didn't know so that. So it yeah. was plagued with issues from the get-go. Uh, there, there were delays getting it started. Shatner was responsible for directing it and then also the story and apparently there was conflict i think with gene ronbury and as well as leonard nimoy and uh what's mccoy's name the actor mm -hmm. deforest kelly so both of them uh had issues with character decisions that shatner was making they said like mm. our character would not betray kirk uh, so I, I think it went through rewrites and then they said that budgetary issues caused a lot of the effects uh, to either be cut or done in different ways. So it just sounds like it was uh, not ever going to turn out well based on all the stuff that was going mm. wrong. Hmm. Interesting. I, I didn't know a lot of that. All but right, uh, you well, know, hey, that that reminds me, Paul. You know, I think uh, yeah. a couple Christmases ago, I gave you this the sequel novel to Star Trek Four, uh, the Probe, where you get a more of a backstory of the Probe. Did you ever have a chance to read that? <laughs> <laughs> so, so th I think I think I think those two movies illustrate how Star Trek can th it does a good job both in television and movies, where they just take a random occurrence and make a mm -hmm. movie out of it um with with having no prior backstory and then obviously you would think there'd be tons of questions but it's a limited story in either a film or a movie and so it just ends um yeah. where, where the one was some random probe from who knows where and it causes a catastrophe across like the quadrant and this one was god or some godlike <laughs> being uh interacting with the characters um, um, but Star Trek for a far superior film. But did, have you? Yes. Did you read the sequel probe that I got you? <laughs> I think I did read through it, but it's been a while. Okay, <laughs> I could not find a sequel to Star Trek Five. <laughs> there was no, there was no going. Trying Nobody to find followed that one up. Yeah, following that one up with a with a novel. Maybe we should do that. Put that put that out there. There you go. Ooh. That's uh, the the what's on draft uh, entry into novelizations. That is an interesting scenario where you you just have a group of characters that work and you can put them into almost anything you can think of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean that's uh, you know that's that's a big part of sci-fi in general. But uh, yeah, and it's nice that I guess episodic they could do some long form things, but uh, there were enough individual episodes story arcs that it makes sense to also do that in a movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I will say after this part, I do think that personally, this list gets pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> oh so, yeah. There yeah. are some very rough ones on uh, there. There so. are you, uh, you two have taken two of the highest rated ones according to IMDb. Okay. So Rambo is actually the highest score of any of these films via IMDb with a 6.5. So six point five is the high water mark, uh, and that's IMDb, which really inflates the ratings. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, so pa says, Paul, Paul, how many? I know you're up next here. How many of these have you seen? Did you did you do a rough count? I I, I mean I've probably seen 
at least 10 of them. I didn't okay. count specifically. Okay. But yeah. Um, there's like a, you know, there's like a run where it got to a point where I was like, okay, I've, I've seen all of these and then kind of fell off after a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to kick off here with one that's a little divisive. There's one that actually has some people that love it a lot. Uh, I happen to enjoy it. I think I like its campy nature and it's got a really absurdist sense of humor and I can see why a lot of people dislike it, but I think it's at least okay. And I'm going to go with Hudson Hawk here, which I think I brought up before on the pod. Uh, I actually think it's got a lot of really quotable lines, a lot of fun, zany scenes that are happening. And if nothing else, you get some musical numbers that you get to listen to. So, Paul, this is what I watched just now as research (laughs) for the pod. (laughs) Okay, help help me it's, out. I've never seen Hudson. It's Hawk. a Bruce Willis movie. I, I saw that. Andy McDowell and uh, Danny Aiello, and uh, he is a cat burglar. He's a thief, and there is a story interwoven where Leonardo da Vinci discovered alchemy, and so there, this group of uh, a billionaire and his wife have a group of criminals trying to amass all of the components to make this device Hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah but there's there's like a mechanism in the movie where sometimes they sing songs so they can like synchronize their actions so it works in these like musical numbers where it's just bruce willis like covering a song and another Mm -hmm. cat burglar Mm -hmm. um and it's got like it's just got a lot of uh you know there's like a scene where he's on a stretcher like going down a highway and someone tosses him a cigarette and then he's just like, Oh, it's a menthol and throws it away. Like there's just like these weird little humor beats throughout all of it. And some really quotable lines. I, and I think there's some funny stuff in there. I like it. There really was. And the villains did an amazing job. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, was it Richard E. Grant? Yes. was, uh, yeah. One of the main villains, and then Sandra Bernard or Bernhard. Mm. Uh, those were the two lead villains, and they did a fantastic job. Uh, I feel like some of the comedy, I almost wanted them to push it more. It's funny, like when this came out, uh, 91. So three years later, three or four years later, uh, Jim Carrey's mm. stuff would land, and I feel like his comedy would have influenced this like if this had been made after it would have probably done a lot better Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think that makes sense it's got um you know it was pretty panned at the time domestically it was a flop but apparently it did pretty well internationally so it made its money back at the global box office uh and uh bruce willis uh helped write this one so he's like a co-writer on this one but then apparently, because it was such a big flop, he just gave up on co-writing after that. So I think it's like the he. I think he, there was two movies that he did script work with, and then uh, after this one, he was just like, "I guess I'm not cut out for this," uh, which is sad because I think it had some good stuff in it. So I wish he kept going. Right. I think it was just maybe a matter of of editing. I, I don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like like picking and choosing. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it it does go, it's very absurdist. And it's, um, you know, movies that 
take a really strong approach or really strong take are just not almost never going to do as well as movies that are a little more, uh, I don't know, narrow or, or straight down the straight down one, you know, middle lane. Um, so anything that gets too, too zany is only going to appeal to a smaller audience. But mm-hmm. uh, I think if you're looking for that, this movie works pretty well. I I wish, yeah, I wish he would have pushed it further and gotten to a, a level like Austin Powers or something with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. That's uh, interesting. Um, you Bruce, can watch n- n- not his only appearance on this list. <laughs> it's not. Yep. So this is available with ads on YouTube right now. If anyone okay. wants to check it okay. out, you can watch it for free with some ads. Yeah, nice. Um, I, the first round, I'll give you all a little bit of insight here from uh, Paul was giving us uh, IMDb Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I think you'll both be pretty happy. We'll, we'll go with audience score here because who cares about critics? They're all they're all terrible movies with the critics. But <laughs> Rambo Part Blood, um, Rambo Part Blood, Rambo, Rambo <laughs> he's Part Blood. He's, he's not going to last long. Um, <laughs> Rambo First Blood Part Two, sixty um, percent audience score. <laughs> Americans loved it. <laughs> they, they loved it. Um, Hudson Hawk, um, 56% audience score. And Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, I mean, the Star Trek fans didn't like it for sure. 24% um, <laughs> audience score. So Yikes. Yeah, that's the kind of movie, though, that people are... You're, you're gonna go on to Rotten Tomatoes and downvote it if you're the kind of person who doesn't like it. Well, if you, or if you're the kind of person who saw it, <laughs> like, that's true. The, the, the people who went to go see it will not like it, you know? Yeah. But, uh, yep. All right. Well, on to round two here, Paul. All right. I, I immediately <laughs> feel way worse about all of the options <laughs> in round two. Uh, and so I'm, oh man, so I'm trying to decide between a movie that might have some interesting things in it that people can latch on to. And then movies that like, I'm sure this is very sit throughable, right? <laughs> right. There's, there's a few that I'm like, this is not a good movie, but at least it's got like visual spectacle. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sort of like solidly put together. And, um, you know, I think I'm, I'm going to go with one, uh, not as highly rated as some of the other ones on the list, but one that I think has a few performances in it that I, uh, enjoy. And so I always think I liked this one a little bit more than the average person. Uh, I'm going to go wild, wild west here. Uh, plus I, I just, you know, I was really into the song when this came out and that was back when um, you had to like actually watch for music videos on MTV to show up. So whenever it was in the top 20, which it lasted for, you know, like several months in the top 20, uh, I remember we would just turn on MTV and wait for the wild, wild west music video to come on. So maybe my, uh, my perception of the film is elevated by some nostalgia of uh, listening to this song. Uh, which I still can do all the lyrics to. Um, I mean, it, it's a great song. Uh, it is, and, and yeah. Will, Will Smith had a very good recipe for making hit <laughs> songs, which is just take really great 70s R&B 
and put right, rap, over, rap it. over it. Yeah. So uh, he he did that with a couple songs. So it's a great it's a great song. Paul, this was this was not my next pick, but it was going to be my next pick if I happen. Okay. To get it. So okay. It was my third round pick. All right. But yeah, it's got, you know, it's it's um, uh, I think the writing. But this is one of those ones that definitely did have studio interference and in that the entire third act with the giant mechanical spider. Mm. Apparently, the producer had just had this idea for like a movie with a big mechanical spider. And uh, everyone kept telling him they couldn't write a movie about a big spider like that and so he finally just produced this movie like he was enough of you know of the producer uh wow. cloud or whatever that he was just like no i insist that you write a giant mechanical spider because i think it'll look cool um so they had to like shoehorn that into the third act of the movie when that was not the plan uh from the beginning so i think they didn't have a lot in the script to work with but uh, Kenneth Branagh gets to choose some scenery. Kevin Klein is the sidekick and Will Smith, I think have some decent chemistry and they're working together. Uh, I love Ted Levine in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, his sort of the straight man, uh, some Hayek doing a great job. So I think you've got a whole bunch of people putting in pretty good performances for a movie that just didn't work. And so there's enjoyable stuff because of those performances in it. This was one that I knew you liked the music, Paul. And so I debated <laughs> drafting it uh, defensively. But mm. it, having that Not first the pick, number one overall pick. Yeah, first pick overall. That was difficult. I was trying to remember who was Dr. Loveless. And I did. I I could not have told you that it was Kenneth Branagh. Hmm. I, that is not... Like I can envision kind of the the dark hair and facial hair that he had, but no way would I've ever gotten to Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> That's unreal. We need a we need a crossover film where Poirot uh, has to f- climb the giant mechanical <laughs> spider. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, yeah, if he decides to run his Agatha Christie movies into the ground. <laughs> So this one, Tomato Meter, 16% from critics, 28% audience mm-hmm. score. Yeah, it's not highly, it's pretty bad on IMDb as well. I don't remember what it was, but I think it's below five, 4.9, just below five. So it's definitely not the worst. There's like some some scores in the one on IMDb on this list. Um, still pretty middle of the pack by that rating, but uh, definitely like famously a flop right like famously yes. almost sort of derailed will smith's career he would have been in the matrix had he not done this movie he chose this over being neo so like a like an all-time fumble for will smith uh but i think it could it could have been better and it still got some of that foundation of decent uh, you know if if he if he had ended up doing the matrix series would he have done as many of movies in the 2000s that were serious and you know going to end up mm-hmm. at the oscars probably not and i mean i yeah i think keanu does such a good job in the matrix films that i'm i'm happy it it worked out to where keanu got to launch the sort of kung fu action star side of his career 
mm-hmm. and Will Smith, you know, ended up making some of the choices he did. I, I think it it worked out well. But um, yeah, for him, got to be disappointing to bet on a comedy Western action film instead of The <laughs> Matrix. All right. Well, Cameron, uh, can, I, I didn't take your pick this round, so you've still yeah. got it. Let's hear what can, it is. Okay. Uh, yeah. So uh, I, I was close between uh, Wild Wild West and this movie, but um, as much as I like a good Western, <laughs> well, which Wild Wild West is not, <laughs> but as much as I like the Western setting, um, I also like this setting. And, uh, and uh, I remember as a kid liking this movie and then, as an adult realizing it's not a good movie, but I, I may have held on to a little bit of nostalgia from it. Um, but I still like the movie's story as a concept. Um, it's a slog. It's a long movie. Um, it's not particularly well acted or well directed, but I think the content and the concept of the story um, is something that still can probably get you a little bit excited. I'm talking about, uh, 1997's The Postman, uh, ri- uh, directed and starred by Kevin Costner. Um, post-apocalyptic, which is a great setting. Um, I, 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 I think most people would say that Waterworld is a better film, um, but I prefer The Postman. And I think that might just be because I don't really have strong sea legs, so I get a little too anxious watching Waterworld. Um, I'd rather be on on land um, versus a, a tyrant versus at sea, but um, anyway, uh, it's like I said, it's a long movie. It's three hours long, and it feels three hours long too. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's an interesting concept. It's post-apocalyptic. You don't really know why. It's a little bit environmental. It's a little bit political. Uh, you just know that the U.S. doesn't exist, and but there's just kind of these little roaming uh uh cities and and uh this um uh tyrannical army that's uh kind of enforcing their will on people uh which is head by by will Patton, an underrated uh kind of uh side character actor and uh and uh yeah uh it's an interesting interesting uh interesting movie so i'm gonna take the postman I think you mentioned this one on our post-apocalyptic draft. Mm, probably. I, I think it came up as one that would not be allowed because there is a functioning society, right? I mean, not. I don't. Not really. Oh, okay. I've. Not, mm. I don't think I've watched this one. It's it's a it's a slog. It really is. Um, there's a a love story. I mean, it's very very robotic. It's hard. It's hard. I mean, Kevin Costner just. Yeah, it, Kevin Costner plays a good, like, quiet, rough, you know, you're not going to get too many details out of him. It's mostly about his looks. And so when he's the lead in things, it, it, sometimes it's tough. It's tough to, to, to get the emotionality out of him. And, it, you know, he doesn't quite, you know, everybody around him is emotional. And, and but uh, so... You know, I, I I don't know. It, it's it's a it's a tough movie, but it's it's a universe that I I wish was fleshed out. You know, it, I'll tell you what, it's ripe for a miniseries. That's what I would mm, say. Okay. Um, well, I mean, their society's got to be going pretty well. They got a postman. A, well, that's that's the. Well, he, <laughs> you know, if you've seen the movie, they don't have yeah. a postman. That's the whole thing. 
but uh, yeah. I mean, they got one now. <laughs> they, got one, they got one now. That's right. <laughs> no, yeah. this is yeah. You mentioned the runtime, which is what bumped this one down on my list. Is that uh, if someone's committing to watching all of our films, that's a commitment. Three yeah. hours uh, on that one. So I think that's the only thing that that bumped it down farther. But it does have some more interesting stuff going on than some of the other options. Uh, but speaking of Costner, did you see his most recent movie announcement? Mm-mm. So he's he's coming out next year with a two-parter Western uh, like epic. So it's oh. going to be part one in like June and then part two in August or September or something like that of 2024. So two parts of a Western movie same year. And apparently he produced it himself. He had to like take out a second mortgage on his, uh, mm-hmm. his his Hollywood home to finance it. And he's also going through a divorce. Right. So he's betting a lot on a big two part Western movie starring himself. You know, he oh. does. He does Westerns pretty good. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Yellowstone aside, I mean, he's got Silverado. Uh, you know, Dances with Wolves it has its own kind of unique part in, yeah. in in movie history and Oscar history. Um, but he also has Wyatt Earp, which it, it, it's pretty much like this Postman. It's a slog, also. I think that was like two forty. Um, but then he has um the one with Duvall, um, Open Range, which I actually I like that one. That one in Silverado, I, I thought are, are pretty good. So I'm always I'm always uh somebody who who goes back to the well on things. I feel pretty good about. I'm hoping that it's not two three-hour installments. <laughs> Six hours. That's the thing, though, is even when Westerns are really well-done Westerns and good movies, they don't make money. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Which is, uh, you know, it, it might end up being good for us as people who like Western films uh, to watch these, but I don't know if I would bet my house on, um, uh, no, on a big I mean, Western yeah, like know. a summer Western blockbuster. Yeah, the genre does not do well. Uh, the modern Western just does not do well, and and for for good reason. I mean, we've 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 left that uh, that the nostalgia of the West is not a part of this demographic. It just mm-hmm. isn't. It, it's mm-hmm. it, you know we we've we've enlightened ourselves to the point where it does not. I think I think I was watching a couple of YouTube videos where it's not nostalgic to think about um, you know the, the 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 rough life beyond all the the crime um, and uh, you know treatment of Native Americans and uh, uh, um, what would definitely be racial. Uh, tension with uh, African Americans and and East Asians in the West, so it's not something that people are like, yes, um, you know, give me more of that. Um, so if you're looking for that, you just have to watch a classic Western with a nice soundtrack and somebody, you know, with a tin star rescuing somebody, you know, from a train. Uh, you're just not going to find it anymore. So I'm anxious to hear what the story is. It's, it's hard. It's hard to write mm-hmm. a story um, for a modern audi- audience set in the West. All right, so on to Michael here. Rambo, First Bud, Part 2. There's not another Rambo on the list. Sorry to tell you that, Michael. Um, <laughs> but uh, what what will you be taking? Nice. My my first four are off the board, by the way. So um, oh. we're, 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 we're yeah, going but at the same. This is one of those drafts where there's a high, you know, high probability of that happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Michael, last airbender still available. I know a personal favorite of yours. Paul. Shh. <laughs> Step stepping on my picks here. 
<laughs> okay, so in in the same vein, large action movie uh, with a huge budget. I'm actually going to take one that I have seen. I saw it in theaters, and it's. I don't mind it being on my list of five. You know, if it was on TV, I'd probably have it on. Uh, we've talked about this director before. Well known for action scenes, has a lot of really intricate sound design, sound editing with these particular films. I'm taking Transformers Revenge of the Fallen here. So this is from 2009. So help help me out here. Which one is this? Where is this in the... Number two. Is, number two. This is, oh, this is the sequel? Yeah. So this oh, is number okay. Two. Okay, okay. So, so is this the one where they're fighting in the desert? Uh, this this is the one where... Um, so Shia LaBeouf is still in it, and he is having like numerology visions where he sees symbols yes. and things. Yes. And they have to like get those translated. It, it, yeah. It's the one with the pyramid, right? At the, at the last battle. There's like, I a think transform- so. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Yeah. And the, the transformer that has the truck nuts. <laughs> <laughs> um, Paul, I don't even remember that. Was that there's, at the beginning? There's, no, there's a, at the, in the final battle, uh, there is, um, a transformer that has like two, basically wrecking ball um uh just placed to obviously be um uh to be nuts okay <laughs> um, to look like like you know like fake truck nuts but they're obviously huge because it's a um a transformer and then um uh oh, shoot who is it uh, oh john totoro it gets like knocked over and looks up directly at them and makes some mm. sort of comment about that's right i think i recall that yeah okay <laughs> no i so this is the other one i was considering with my second pick michael which i said just has a lot of spectacle and, right uh michael bay makes a competent action movie even if most of the plot doesn't make sense and a lot of it is so similar that it just sort of blends together at a certain mm-hmm. point but in terms of just like i have to sit down and watch a movie like at least there's going to be cool looking explosions. Exactly. And grew up with Transformers. I think they're just a neat idea. Mm-hmm. It's really awesome to see them at scale on, on on a movie screen and have the transformations look so realistic. They spent a lot of money animating how they transform. It mm-hmm. looks cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not like the this... the 2D animations from the 80s. This is before the series got like really painful to watch. Some of the later movies are just so long and so uh, there's just so much nonsense going on, like so many people talking and just doing stuff at once that they uh, I think by the time you get, I don't know, to like the fourth one, um, I would not want to sit through those. But the first two movies, I'm like, yeah, I could sit down and watch those. Yeah, that's what I'm that's what I'm counting on this one yeah you know for me i I think uh, they just they blend so much together because of the action which is good action but i i just can't keep straight of what's going on in the series um i agree cameron um i don't did you know one came out in june i've actually watched Mm -hmm. that one it was uh on one of the streaming apps that i have and so 
Okay. I watched that one. That was one with the the beasts. But Rise of the Beasts. Yeah. So I had some of those toys back in the day. I had the the ape version Ooh. of uh, Optimus Prime. And it was, uh, I will say the plot with like the humans w- was not great. But again, the action was pretty cool. And hmm. uh, the villain was Unicron. And it was just a massive villain. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost like uh, Galactus or something. He's a, a planet eating hmm. villain. Okay. Um, I had this twelfth um, on my list. All right. Yeah, I had, yeah, I had it. it. It was draftable. Yeah, it was draftable. Well, I've seen it, <laughs> so I had all the ones I'd seen on the list. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. All right. Interesting. So, Michael, going with sequels. What other sequels? Double sequel. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, you can take 1987's Leonard Part Six. I'm assuming that's a sequel. I do not know. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, <laughs> if we had to pick awful movies for each other and just pick the absolute worst ones, I think I would have picked that for one of y'all. Oh, okay. I, I looked oh, at that. Really? It is from. Uh, 1987 it is I think story and lead uh, actor is Bill Cosby I see that spy parody film yeah Uh, interesting Bill Cosby spy parody yeah that uh, that has not aged well yeah single digit score on Rotten Tomatoes yeah and you know what Uh, there's actually two actual sequels left on the list so i think you need to go get those yeah. michael well we'll we'll let you uh, uh you know part six is available for you here michael what are you going to take in the third round <laughs> i am i'm really debating i've i've got a few that are very they're on equal footing mm-hmm. um and i don't know that you all will have will be interested in all of them you know what? I'm going to take Holmes and Watson here from 2018. So this one stars Will Ferrell. And I watched it on an airplane. And I remember laughing. I thought it was pretty funny. And it's pretty typical Will Ferrell humor. And he's playing Sherlock Holmes. (laughs) And maybe that's why people hated it. Maybe like the British Isles. Uh, came onto Rotten Tomatoes and just <laughs> <laughs> downvoted it, but uh, I I did not hate this movie. Okay, uh, I had this thirteen. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it at all. But it's uh it's one that I put on the list because I go, it's Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. There has to be some jokes that land. I'm sure the pacing is bad. I'm sure like it it does not wrap up. I'm sure it just it's very choppy. But I bet there's some bu- go there's some jokes in there. It's gonna make you laugh, and so so I I I trust your pick here. Yeah, without I, seeing it, I laughed. I mean, I I would put it. It's a pretty solid Will Ferrell John C. John C. Riley movie. I mean, um, if you haven't seen it, I would check it out if you like them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also have not seen this one, but the trailers and everything, it did strike me as uh, an airplane movie, like a just a just you're on the airplane pretty solid one 
I feel uh, like that's kind of what we're drafting right now. Yeah, the, the top. These are if you're taking an international flight, which which list of movies do you want? Uh huh. These Rookie these are airplane animal. movies right now. The Razzies <laughs> end up as airplane movies. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm I I think I, and having not watched it, I would have gone into it with that same assumption that it's got to have something in it that'll be pretty good. That's kind. Of, I'm I'm a little upset. I thought because of who was starring in it that you all would have seen it and i was kind of hoping to take one off of uh, your list yeah yeah no this was uh this was still up in consideration for me okay um as probably one that uh, i i couldn't see it being i don't know sometimes comedies a bad comedy can get pretty rough to watch but uh i just felt it, it had to at least have like a bare minimum of um, I'm willing to watch it if I have to watch five movies. So mm-hmm. I, I had it on the pretty high consideration, even though I haven't seen it. Okay. All right. Well, Cameron, uh, those are a couple picks lower on your list. That means you, you've you got a few options here. Yeah, I'm going to follow up Michael's comedy with a comedy of my own that uh, I think uh, I remember laughing a couple times. Um, very unique film. Uh, I'm going to go with Movie 43. I don't know if you guys have seen Movie 43, but it is a uh, it is 12 uh, independent essentially kind of comedic sh- sketches put together um, with various casts and um, a, a quite a few of them were not that funny, but I do remember at least a couple of them being pretty funny. And so it has a, a dismal, I think four or 8% on Rotten Tomatoes, but that's from a, you know, thumbs up, thumb down. So I, I would give it a mm-hmm. thumb down, but I think there's enough laughs in there to make it worth a watch. I think it's an easy watch. And uh, while Holmes and Watson has an audience score of 23 movie, 43 has an audience score of 24. <laughs> So, uh, if you want that extra percent, you better draft. You better pick my team. I'm gonna go log in to Rotten Tomatoes and vote <laughs> and watch that percent go. Up. Uh, uh, wow! Also, so, runtime of 94 minutes. I'm gonna offset my postman here by going okay. real short. Yeah, you got short. you. You do have two longer, slower movies. You do. You do need to get something zippy in there yeah. so somebody could sandwich this in between. Star Trek and the Postman. I'm pretty sure I've seen the poster for this one on Amazon Prime, and I've just never looked into it. So when I was doing research today, I was like, "Oh yeah, I've seen, I've seen that." Uh, Elizabeth Banks was listed as one of the directors that's on it. So how? What's the format? It, like, it, it's it's like uh, uh, you know, like the show. Um, I think you should leave. Uh huh. It's like that. Is just so it would be like multiple episodes of that in in a movie yes. format. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. Well, that's not terrible. That's interesting. That's what I'm saying. It's it's an easy watch from that standpoint. It's not like oh, where is this going? Like they're independent sketches. Huh. Okay. Yeah. There might yeah. be something at the end that ties them together, but not that I can remember. Yeah. Well, that is worth checking out. Yeah, and they so each um. Each segment in it's since it's directed by someone else, you can also, you know, it's like an interesting um it's an interesting look at uh comparing styles and things and some big names in the director segment too. You know, you could uh 
you could say how does how does James Gunn compare to uh um you know Bob Odenkirk or Elizabeth mm-hmm. Banks when it comes to directing. That's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. So well, that was movie 43, Paul. What's your number three? All right, I'm gonna go. Uh I, I waited on this one because I didn't think it would be high on either of, of your guys' lists. Um, but Cameron over here talking about sequels making me a little nervous. So uh, before somebody pushes the sequel agenda, I'm going to take a movie that's a sequel and I'm coming in with a movie with a 70% audience score here. So uh, pretty enjoyable for the folks. I'm going to go the twilight saga breaking dawn part two. Um, now here's the thing. I haven't watched the twilight films myself, but I do kind of want to watch them because um, I've, I've read a little bit of the books. I've, I've seen it into the books. I listened to a, a podcast with some like feminist scholars breaking down Twilight, both the books and the movies, and like talking about all of this interesting stuff in it about Stephanie Meyer dealing with like growing up um, uh, in the Mormon church and like um, sort of getting into like some of this feminist ideology out of the Mormon church and stuff. And I have... Uh, I have like a sort of a newfound like respect, like, okay, there's a lot more going on in these books and things than I thought. So um, I'm, I'm interested in it and it's one that people seem to enjoy. Bill Condon directed it. He's done a lot of good, good, solid movies. He's had an interesting career. So I'm going with that. Paul, you know, those episodes where Elaine is on and you steal her picks. Yeah. I'm, I'm that level mad right now because (laughs) I knew you have not, or at least I, I thought very strongly that you had not ever watched this. So that's why well, he I, hasn't. Didn't, I, I didn't pick it earlier because I didn't think it was coming off the board. Uh, this was definitely on my list and I have watched all of them. Uh, Madeline, you know, asked me to watch them. And once you get into them, I think they... Uh, the the story is interesting, but they are hilarious. There are so many funny things that happen in these movies, mm-hmm. and so I've seen at least a few of them a couple times now. Uh, and then this is the the movie that wraps up the whole series. So, yeah, very saddened that I don't get to <laughs> put this one on my list. Uh, so wait, I, where is? It? Go ahead. I was. I even considered this in round two. Like I, I had it mm. high on my list from the get go, forty nine percent from the critic on the tomato meter too. So it's pretty. So either of you have read the book series? I've not read them. I've just seen the films. Um, yeah, and read... what's your what's your impression of the films, Michael? Just over overall. So it's it's an interesting take on vampires for sure. And again, there are some things that are just really funny that they work out as the films progress. Like in the first movie uh, showing how a vampire runs up a mountain is just one of my favorite things in film. It looks like someone kind of on an escalator, just zipping up a mountain and Hmm. it's amazing. So this, this movie um, I want to say that there is a large uh, final battle that mm-hmm. occurs and that is also an unusual take on vampire lore so vampires uh, can kill each other 
but the death looks like basically granite coming apart. They're they're stone like, and so when they mm. get killed, it's like basically stone getting knocked into chunks, which is really interesting. What is the story with uh, Taylor Lautner? Is he done acting? Uh, I think he, yeah, he just um, decided, I think he, oh, what was it? I'm, I can't remember if he, um, well, he took some time off and then he was like, he enjoyed being out of the spotlight. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to think if there was like a specific reason I don't think he has a kid. Like, I think there was maybe something where he was like, oh, I'm just, I'm going to do this instead of acting. Yeah. Well, good for him. It's kind of interesting. Like the, the, of the three main uh, actors, two of them have turned into uh, quite prominent, successful, dramatic actors. And uh, Mm -hmm. Taylor has turned into not an actor. So yeah, he's, uh, uh, I'm looking at his IMDb. He's done a few. He was a recurring character in a TV show up to 2018. And then he had something, come out in 2022 and then uh was in a taylor swift video this year but um uh oh that's it he was he was in the uh the kevin james movie where kevin james is sean payton the saints coach which i didn't watch because that seemed like the weirdest concept and casting i don't know i'm (laughs) kind of into it kind of into it uh so yeah but there was that. But um, yeah, I, wa- I want to watch all these films now that I've got sort of a, a newfound okay. interest into them. So I, I probably will watch them at some point. Um, but and I think it's also the if you listen to re- interviews with, um, you know, like Robert Pattinson and and um, everyone else who was in these films, um, they all have sort of interesting takes and things that they were doing during the filming, too. So you can kind of look out for for all of that but uh, so i'm glad i i'm glad i took it, it i was going to take it this or the next pick so it was not getting back to you michael um, so sad but i i almost took it earlier and i was a little concerned that you might take it um but i thought eh, it might be a little lower on on your list so my my my, my gamble worked out mm-hmm. um, but uh for now we need to do a little a little recapping of uh, the picks that we have made. Da, da, da. Three round rundown. All right, Michael here, feeling a little bit like Rambo after Paul's most recent pick. Uh, I'm on my draft. I've got Rambo: First Blood Part Two, Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen, and Holmes and Watson. Cameron here going boldly where no drafter has gone before. Uh, Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. You can go ahead and put that in the mail with the postman and uh, the meaning of life. Plus one, movie 43. And Paul here. I am coming in with all the camp for your watching enjoyment. And that includes Hudson Hawk. Wild Wild West, and then The Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn Part 2. Now, Paul, any concern here with Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn Part 2, I feel more so than Rambo, First Blood Part 2, and Transformers Revenge of the Fallen, 
you probably need to have seen some of the Twilight movies to really know what's going on there. Uh, you know, 100%. vampire, werewolf, vampire love triangles are a timeless story as old as time. Yeah, there's a Everyone's subplot in the, the Postman tropes. where there's a, a, a vampire and a, and a werewolf. <laughs> so I guess you're right. Yeah, people. No, I, I did. Uh, that's why I, I maybe waited till the third round to go for it. But I think, um, again, if you're somebody trying to pick to watch, you know, this collection of five movies and you haven't watched any of the twilight films then you might go like well at least it was a movie with a big cultural impact mm. and uh i'll sit down and watch it so all right uh, man this is where uh i've, I've sort of hit the end I've, i feel pr really good about the three movies i had i was really hoping i could get kind of the three that I have and then maybe transformers would be available in this round. Um, so I'm, I'm a little sad. Michael grabbed that. Uh, so I've got to go. I I'm, I'm going to go with um, another movie here that I think has had a cultural impact, at least in that it's been parodied many times. And there's sort of a stretch. If you look at the Razzie winners, uh, the people who who vote for the and I don't know which group gets to vote for the Razzie. So whatever group they put together to vote for these, um, they really hate like erotic thrillers, right? Like there's like a there's like six years in a row where they just picked like a very erotic film, and then that was the film that they sort of went against. Uh, so I think I'm going to take the one of the that grouping of like erotic films that goes from like 92 and then you know four or five in a row here uh i'm gonna go with the one that i think is the best out of that group the one that people kind of know and reference and i'm gonna go indecent proposal um so if nothing else here i think you've got a great cast you got robert redford divvy moore Woody Harrelson, Billy Bob Thornton, Billy Connolly, Rip Taylor. Uh, a lot of people in here put together some good performances. Uh, I think, I've, you know, I think they all do a, a pretty good job. And um, at least at the end of the day, it's got sort of an interesting uh, moral dilemma at the conceit of the movie. So after you watch it, if you're watching it with some people, you can have a debate like, hey, if, you know, if this was you know, if you knew someone in this situation, what do you think they should, they should do? Um, or, you know, what do you think the ethics of, uh, somebody, whatever choice they make, uh, about the indecent proposal, you know, what do you, what do you think about that? So at least it's got some stuff you can talk about. Uh, so I've seen not the whole movie, but I did mark it as seen. I had this as number nine on my list. In the top uh, ten, I'll yeah, I had it at number nine. Um, I think you're right. It's a good. Uh, I mean, it's an interesting uh, philosophical drama. Um, but uh, I had to, I went ahead and read the the Wikipedia page, so I kind of know how it went after I stopped watching it. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's interesting. Who's Billy Bob in the movie? I don't think I got to, or I don't remember seeing him. Uh, he, uh, I think he's got a small part. I don't remember. He's listed as day tripper. Um, mm -hmm. I don't, it's been so long since I've seen it. I don't remember what function he does. 
because okay. uh, you know mostly you're getting Redford, Demi, and and Woody yeah. Harrelson yeah. for most of the movie, but uh, not De- not Demi's only movie on the list here. Yeah, another Demi Demi and Bruce, uh, the the yeah, oddly enough, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> showing up on the list, right? In fact, I want they're pretty close to each other too. If I if I think I see this, you got Hawk and. I mean, yeah. I won't say them all, but I think you got 91 and what was, what was Bruce's other one here? I don't want to give it away. I'll look at it later, but yeah, they're on here uh, a couple of times. So. He had one that I hadn't heard of that was in this genre you're talking about, Paul, where it's an erotic thriller. Mm-hmm. And I, yes. I had not he even had, heard of this thing. It was like a couple of years after uh, Indecent Proposal, or no, the very next year he had Color of Night. Which oh, was there you an go! Erotic thriller, yeah. So yeah, back to back, Demi right. and Bruce uh, trying to be sexy but, on camera, and the Razzies were not. But here. all four of them are close. They got ninety-one, ninety-three, ninety-four, and ninety-six. It's just like what years were they married? No wonder they got divorced. Uh, they were like something's something's messing with our. We mojo. can't make can't make these movies anymore. Right? Uh, let me see. 87 to 2000. So, yeah, they were married when they made all these Razzie movies. Um, so there you go. That's mm-hmm. the, yeah, that's the deal. Uh, they were like, well, clearly, we're not good creative outlets for each other based on the Razzie voters. <laughs> all right. Well, Cameron, uh, I took a top 10 from you. What are you going to do to uh, to go for your draft pick here? Okay, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to st- I'm going to draft something I haven't seen. Um, just because, uh, you know, I, I don't, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't love uh, by any means anything left that I've seen. Um, mm-hmm. so, um, and, and there's a couple that I think they're maybe better films, but they're, they're probably just not as fun as this one. Um, I'm going to go with a, a, a classic in this actor's repertoire, uh, though probably not on anybody's top 10 for this actor, but I'm going to go 1988's Cocktail with Tom Cruise. Never seen it, but the concept alone sounds like a decent movie, flipping some bottles. Um, who plays the uh, the mentor? Is it Michael Caine? It's not Michael Caine. Michael uh, Caine. I'm, I'm in Cocktail. So Tom Cruise, Tom you have Cruise. to make the cocktail. <laughs> it's um, oh, I don't know uh, who it is Brian, Brian Brown. Brown. <laughs> okay, never mind. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna shoe in there. Yeah. I'm gonna take yeah. uh, I'm gonna take cocktail. Um, I think if somebody was like, "Here's five movies you have to watch," and this was on there, I'd be all like, "Oh, I haven't seen that. I've been, you know, it's something I should mm-hmm. probably see. It's in the zeitgeist." So I'm gonna take cocktail. Uh. I don't think I had even heard of this movie until I saw it on a list that was like Razzie movies that were pretty good. Oh, you've never heard of cocktail. I know I hadn't like, it just hadn't really something that had, that had come up. Michael, Uh, what's your take here? Am I crazy? I thought this was like a known, like I am, I am just, really frustrated right now because i wish i had pushed up top uh for it, us to draft movies that we've seen i have seen this movie i was going to draft it uh, it is not a terrible movie it's just not a great movie it doesn't really go anywhere 
so there's there's not a whole lot of plot. Uh, no, I wouldn't categorize. I mean, you, you just said you were going to draft it. Yeah, but it's like not my top five. But were you going to draft it right here? Um, I don't know. It would have been this one or the next one. Leave it. Leave it red. I, I'll be honest. I marked it as a steal because I knew as soon as you said I, I was going to draft it, Cameron was going to push for the steal. <laughs> Cameron's well, going to get the stats. I mean, indecent proposal was also in consideration, Paul. I mean, once I'll, we get down to like past yeah, round two, yeah. everything's going to be a steal, right? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you, only, you only have two movies left you're going to draft. So, I mean, it's not like, you know, I mean, unless you were planning to take cocktail and indecent proposal. As your last I'm, I'm fine with the one steal. I'll, I'll say you said you were mad about Twilight and then you were mad that cocktail came off the board. So I'm fine counting those two as steals. But also, I let's just keep talking about the movie because I don't think <laughs> the listeners no, need no. us. The listeners need to know my steal prowess. Um, well, I'm glad to hear <laughs> it's a, a it's a it's a, a decent movie. I have this like from what I think about Tom Cruise, it's like risky business. Um, and then I think of both Cocktail and Days of Thunder together. And I think like those two movies are like his, he's just, he's starting to be a star. Um, um, and those are some like kind of like misses, but they're like, you know, up and coming um, uh, movies um, in between Risky Business and Top Gun and then his 90s fame. I think of, of Cocktail is like right in the middle there kind of like bearing the weight of the the transition but i've never well, seen it according, so. to, according to the list i saw uh it's it's fun to just look at all the beautiful scenes of jamaica <laughs> in the movie well there you go so there's that all right well michael you uh you have to make up for a couple of movies you wanted coming off the board and there's some slim pickings. I, yeah, I'm getting, not looking forward. Tough. It's getting tough. I'm not looking forward to having to make my last pick after three more movies come off the board. Um, right, so, you, uh, you know, it's interesting. Talk about a wild swing here. Cocktail critics nine percent, audience fifty eight. The audience loves seeing those liquor bottles fly. It's it's those those it's out of touch critics just don't know <laughs> what. Uh, what people what the people want so <laughs> i don't think i've seen this movie i i did some reading on it earlier uh it's categorized as a comedy slash action slash mystery and thriller i i guess i'm gonna draft mr rock and roll detective here played by none other than Andrew Dice Clay. <laughs> I'm taking the adventures of Ford Fairlane uh, with a tomato honest. meter score from the critics of 25 whole percent Ooh. and an audience score. Get this 67%. Wow. That's a lot of, in, it's a lot of Dice Clay, uh, Dice Clay fans. That's what that is. Fourth round, 67%. I'll, I'll take it. But Michael, uh, I've got I've got this pulled up on IMDb right now because I was trying to figure out what it's about because just based on the concept and you know I was like 
I was like, this sounds like an interesting concept. So, uh, okay, I'll, I'll give you the brief synopsis yeah, of read what I read. It. He's a rock and roll detective, as it says. <laughs> and a band called Black Plague is playing at Red Rocks. And the lead singer dies. And it's a murder. And so a friend in the music biz calls uh, Ford Fairlane to get involved and investigate and find out who killed this guy. So that, that was the plot. So he, yeah, I even like just the IMDb, like the one sentence stinger, a vulgar private detective is hired to find a missing groupie and is drawn into a mystery involving a series of murders tied to the music industry. Like that's a good pitch. Like, right. Yeah. Um, and then it's got Andrew Dice Clay, as you said, but also Lauren Holly, Priscilla Presley, Wayne Newton, uh, Gilbert Gottfried is in it, Robert England, Ed O'Neill. Uh, yeah, Vince Neal. So they got some, nice. yeah, like they got some actual musicians in there. They've got uh, some pretty big, yeah, I was like, it's like, should I take this with my last pick knowing nothing about it? I was, uh -huh. I was trying to figure out anything I could about it because I was like, it's at least got an interesting pitch. 6.4 on IMDb. Uh, that's almost as high as, as Rambo at the top of the list. So, uh, uh, you know, Robert Ebert gave it one out of four, but he did say, <laughs> he called it loud, ugly, and meat spirited. But he also said that Clay. Dice Clay had the confidence and screen presence for a successful acting career if he could move beyond his shtick, which uh, he did here in the last decade. You know, he did like that Woody Allen movie, I think, or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so he kind of, I think he did kind of act Fine. beyond his character. Um, but uh, Roger saw it first in this movie. This is where it all started for Andrew Dice Clay. <laughs> And you know, it, you know what the kind of the, the the what I found humorous reading about this movie, the the funny name, you know, his name is Ford Fairlane. You know, mm -hmm. it's just kind of like I don't get it. And then the the um, who's this guy that the the jockey who kind of like uh, hires him is named Johnny Crunch. Uh, <laughs> it's just interesting. Yeah, they said that true to form, he that's the car he drives. So that's Ford his name. That's, that's also what he drives. So, <laughs> all right, all right. Well, uh, we won't belabor the movie none of us have seen, uh, but it sounds interesting. Maybe we should have like a what's on draft watch party mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. for that one. Uh, but Michael, you got to make you got to make one pick. Uh, still on the board, Hillary's America. The secret history of the Democratic Party. <laughs> yeah, did not know what that was about. Did not. Oh, did that's not remember the uh, Dinesh D'Souza classic. <laughs> uh, Dinesh uh, is real dumb, and he likes to argue with historians on Twitter to tell them that they're wrong. There's one particular historian that frequently argues back with him. But the thing is, the historians will always just pull like primary documents to back up what they're saying. And then Dinesh will just be like, no, that's not true. Really, okay. I'm right. Because yeah. 
liberals. The the last couple of years, it's like every other year is just like propaganda movie that they, that they <laughs> yeah. have to like say this is not this is right. not something which, to watch. Which like you know for the Razzies, like you don't have to do that. Like right, I mean, <laughs> but these are not huge movie. Like at least you know if you're gonna do the Razzies, I don't know. At least try to make them interesting. Like I don't. That's not if you say this propaganda movie is bad. That's not, nobody's going to want to have a conversation about that. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know. Like, it just seems like a waste of time to me. Okay. Well, we've stalled for you, Mike. What's that last pick? So I was, I was debating on taking a movie that I have seen and know to be bad and to suffer terribly from, studio decisions and editing. And then I looked back at some screenshots I'd taken of other options and I'm going to go a different direction. I'm going to go with a movie I have not seen, but sounds interesting. And Cameron, I think you'll be interested in it. It's about the Korean war or sorry. It's about the, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Turning point in the Korean war. So I'm taking Inchon. And is from 1981, and it is from director Terrence Young. Does that name sound familiar to y'all? Uh, it does, but directed I can't. some James Bond films back uh, in the day. Okay, okay. Directed Doctor No and From Russia with Love. The first two; those are the first two mm-hmm. Bond films. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, this movie. It's it's set in 1950, and uh, Lawrence Olivier plays General Douglas MacArthur, who led the U.S. surprise amphibious landing at Incheon, South Korea, and we've also got actors Jacqueline uh, Bisset, Ben Gazzara, Toshiro Mifune, and Richard Roundtree starring in this film. Yeah, one of the I don't know if this is the first one or one of the first Razzies. Um, I don't know if it was eighty or eighty one, but uh, this is definitely at the beginning. It was, it was not the first one. The okay. first one was uh, a musical. Okay, it, it was about disco. Okay, okay. Um, uh, so, I, so what was it that made it bad? I'm reading a couple of things here, uh, but these are uh, you know reception at the time somebody said it looks like the most expensive b movie ever made um that sounds amazing to me <laughs> uh, uh bad dialogue so just a, i guess maybe just like a bad movie but the I, I i'm with you from a historical context it's it's worth watching somebody here wrote um uh inchan is a historical hysterical historical epic somewhat less offensive than the green berets which is a john wayne movie which is like essentially just propaganda um uh and far funnier they said so a little bit of comedy in there so interesting not much comedy in war films these days (laughs) or or so um it might feel a little out of place for our uh demographic but uh, okay so 1981 this is taking place after mash the show and that was a korean war comedy so that's just that's interesting true. that's that true people yeah. are doing comedy with the korean war i don't i don't know what well, about that war i've always it. said 
the Korean Wars, the most hilarious of all. Hilarious. Wars. I mean, just laugh <sighs> out loud slapper. funny. Wow. Put, put uh, that apologies. on the box. Yeah. Apologies to get, get all the, my that Korean friends. Uh, no, if they just, ever put out <laughs> like a box set of a Korean War documentary, I want that on the cover. That's the that's the blurb. The funniest of all wars. What's on Draft Podcast? No, no. You'll laugh over and over again. Uh, now, I have had... Um, had a student make some work about Rocket Man, and that was funny. The movie Rocket Man? No, the leader of North Korea. That's that's one of his nicknames. Oh, okay. I, I almost said Elton John. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay, gotcha. No, and the artwork that they made was hilarious. The, the student was um, of South Korean descent, so they uh cared about what they were making mm. all right well there you go we've got uh hilarious war film for michael cameron <laughs> <laughs> what are you all gonna right. round out your team with here oh that's gonna be tough to let me see what i got here um oh gosh Oh, this is tough. This is really tough. These are all bad it movies. <laughs> These are bad yeah, movies. Pretty, um, pretty bad. I, I think I'm going into what's watchable. Um, while you're on this, uh, Paul, I will tell you that while you have taken some that I, I considered, I was not going to draft Hudson Hawk after watching it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, it was. Uh, Madeline and I both looked at each other. Like, this is hard to watch. Oh man, I could have taken. Uh, could have gone Transformers early and. Yeah, you could. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm. I'm gonna go a little out there. I'm gonna try and capture a little bit of a demographic. I'm gonna go with Fifty Shades of Grey. Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, I'm this one. Gonna, this one is this a two for Paul? This year they had tie, tie, uh, yeah. tie winning category. What, what do you mean? There's another movie, or what do you say? Yes, they, they yeah. Gave, well, they gave the award to two movies. Oh, fa- oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They they have a pretty small voter pools apparently. Yeah. So it's happened a couple of times if I remember. Um, yeah, so um, I have not seen this movie. I have not read the book, but um, I think some people may, if they're voting anonymously, they may pick my list because this movie's <laughs> on it. So um, feel free to vote without commenting um, or, or create another user handle and vote that way. But uh, yeah, I'm going to take 50 Shades of, of Grey, uh, mainly for the, uh, the eroticism, seeing if we can get some votes that way. Um, now, I did talk to my wife beforehand. I said, hey, Here's the list of movies I haven't seen. Is there anything on here you think I should consider? Should I need to? And she was all like, maybe Fifty Shades. She says she hadn't seen it either or read the book, but she did read a little bit saying that the movie does a little bit uh, did a little bit better job about dealing with consent um, in a sexual manner versus um, the book. 
the book is just, you know, does not even um, bring that into play. And I think because they had to make the movie for mainstream audiences, so to speak, they had to do that a little bit better. So I'm hoping that kind of tampers it down a little bit. But yeah, I'm going to take 50 shades. Um, you know, I think we're going to, I think we're going to put at the end. You know, at the end of the the the, uh, the run, this is what you're rapping with. <laughs> this is what I'm rapping with. You know, you, you got to sit through a combined five hours of like sci-fi post-apocalyptic movies. Well, yeah, because at, 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 if you think about it, after that, you would have felt that you were like abused already. <laughs> uh, that this is just going to go over pretty pretty seamlessly. So, but you you don't want someone to get excited and then sit down to watch the Postman. It yes, just, correct. Does correct. It, does it work out? I had an uh, art history professor that I guess she went and saw this in the theaters mm -hmm. and she, she did not mind sharing uh, her review of it with us. But she, I believe she said it was not even titillating. She said, Oh, really? A oh. suburban housewife just trying to uh, go see something interesting. Uh, not, not even, yeah. So. Huh. Thumbs down I, from her. I did. Um, I did see that was one of the complaints I saw was like, you took, you made a movie about BDSM and made it like boring. Like it should have at least had something, hmm. uh, you know, well, like, I mean, it's I, only, I don't know. you know, it's a movie. I, you know, I, <laughs> you could go watch tons of movies if you really wanted to. You don't need to go. <laughs> You don't need to go uh, uh, buy a movie ticket. So, well, you uh, you you did block me from doing the combo of a Twilight movie and then yeah. a movie based on Twilight fan fiction. Yeah, so those I, would have I can't paired. Corner the Twilight. Those market. would have paired really well. I'm gonna be honest. So, a little bit a little defensive <laughs> there, also. Yeah. Also, there was nothing on the board I really wanted. Uh, so, um. Paul, there's one that literally doesn't have a critic score on rotten tomatoes <laughs> and the audience score oh. i think is 30 something percent so i'm curious if, what if you'll pull that one off the board uh, i think the audience score is like 30 okay speaking of uh audience score 41 on 50 shades that's pretty pretty good from what i was pretty looking good. at could the other ones left so uh, well, Michael, I am looking at one that doesn't have a critic score, but it's a 53% audience score. Ooh, that um, sounds like a winner. Oh, uh, sorry, I, I don't know why it didn't come up earlier. The one that I was talking about actually does have a 13% okay. from, from critics. Okay, interesting. Okay. Um, I don't know why this one doesn't have a critic score because it was a it was a big release, so uh, I don't know why the critics wouldn't be on here. Which one are you uh, looking at? Uh, well, I guess on the last picks, I guess I'm looking at cats. <laughs> um, oh, it yeah. should. So I maybe Rotten Tomatoes is being funny because I went well, back they... to the same movie. I, I was talking about Howard the Duck. Oh, yeah. It, it didn't was... show up earlier, and now it's showing 13 and 38. Um. So they did have like a big scandal with Rotten Tomatoes about uh, critics, people who were on the critics list who were, it turns out they were like paid to watch the movies they were reviewing. Mm. So they, maybe they pulled down movies that had reviews by sites that got caught in that. And they're trying to figure out 
what to do. I just pulled it up. Cats has a 19% from critics and 53% from. Yeah. Interesting. My critic score just is not, I can refresh it and it doesn't show up. I Um, would have given cats below 53%. (laughs) Well, this is, so I'm, I'm sort of, uh, I, there's just not a lot of great options. You could go with Catwoman here, Paul. I could go with Catwoman. Uh, my my thought with cats is at least uh, Jennifer Hudson's sings memories pretty good, <laughs> so you get to look, look at that performance. Uh, it's a pretty good rendition of it. But no, um, you know, I think I'm gonna take. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go just. For, I, I feel pretty good about my picks, so I don't want a huge bomb at the end to just kind of take it down. So I think uh, I'm I'm aiming for just pretty watchable film. And there's a lot of pretty terrible films on here. So I'm just going to go for the only animated film on the list. And I'm going to take the Emoji Movie, which appears to be in that genre of like animated kids film. That's just a, just a pretty mediocre comedy. But... Uh, those are at least usually pretty quick watch through and there will be some colorful visuals because it's a kid's animated movie. So uh, hmm. that's that's basically it. I think it's probably not good, but inoffensive to sit through is my is my bet. I sat through the trailer. I watched this actually not too long <laughs> ago. It, it just played on YouTube or something. Mm-hmm. And basically we've got an emoji that uh it's kind of like wreck it ralph uh mm-hmm. doesn't want to be boxed in so i think he was a he was supposed to be an emotion that he didn't want to be all the time he had other emotions mm-hmm. and uh so madeline uh yeah. heard me say the name of the movie and she said it was awful so <laughs> sorry paul <laughs> Uh, well, the the list I'm looking at says think Wreck It Ralph, but a hundred times worse. Yes, oh, I saw that. Okay. Yeah, uh, but yeah, here's the thing. I don't I don't think it. Like I said, I think it's probably a bad movie. Uh, but I think compared to again some of the other movies on the list, uh, animated films move at a pretty quick pace. They're usually over pretty quick because they're made for kids. And, uh, you know, maybe you'll chuckle at a few jokes, but, um, uh, it's, you know, I don't know. It's better than, uh, it's better than Leonard part six. I'll I'll say that. Mm. I, I was considering for my final one, the, the fantastic four movie, like that was which one? one that I was talking about fantastic four. Oh, okay. So here's the thing. That's one of the ones I've seen on this list. And Fantastic Four is I've watched it almost, too. Oh, it's I think it's almost unwatchable. Like it's it's so poorly put together. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it, the one I was talking about that it, suffered from editing and and yes, just, yeah, it, the studios it, wrecked it. I thought it started so like like I was in it, and then it uh-huh, just did yeah. not materialize at any point. It's like it, no, it, 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 like it, it didn't. I was confused. I was like, wait a minute, what? Wait, wait, now we're here and, and um, they're trying to the, do this. It was just like, wait, what? Yeah, that, 
that's what I mean by at least a lot of these movies make internal sense from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And this one doesn't like scenes just are like in the wrong order. Mm-hmm. They just or changed missing. how doom worked halfway through filming it. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's bad. The, um, the Dr. Doom outfit looks like something from a B movie. It, it looks like it's mm-hmm. actual costume work and it's really unsettling to have this, you know, hundreds of billion dollar movie with just this cheap <laughs> costume. Um, the rumor is that Josh Trank has a cut of that movie. That's good. And um, I would like, I actually believe, you know, a lot of like all directors, I would like to see that. A, yeah. All directors of a flop say they have a cut. That's good. Um, so mm-hmm. I don't normally believe it, but given everything that happened behind the scenes on this movie, like I believe it, like I would be interested mm-hmm. to see what the, what his actual intent was with the stuff that he filmed. So, well, emoji movie, I mean, how long is it? You said they, they move pretty quickly. Animated movies. Yeah. Too. I need that's to, true. Let, me, let me look it up. Um, I should have checked that first, but it'd be funny uh, if it was most... three hours long. <laughs> Uh, it's three hours. I uh, rescind my pick. And see, it's an hour twenty six, so okay. it's gonna have one of the shortest run times of any of these movies. You can put it first on the list and just get it out of the way, and then get into the good vampire romance. This is a that. warm up movie, right? Yes, yeah. Get your get your uh, movie watching juices flowing, and uh, get ready to go. All right. Well, listeners, that I think rounds up our teams. We're going to have to tell you where to vote. But first, we need to tell you why you should vote for us. So we're going to give you a quick recap and a quick pitch on why you should pick our team in the vote, starting with Michael. Okay. So on my list, I've got, I think, three different war films here. So we've got... Uh, Vietnam War represented with Rambo First Blood Part 2. We've got the Korean War represented with Inchon. And we've got Transformers Revenge of the Fallen Autobots versus Decepticons. And then I've got two detective films for y'all. I've got Holmes and Watson starring Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, And then The Adventures of Ford Fairlane starring Andrew Dice Clay. So we've got a couple of comedy detective films uh, Cameron here while Michael is heavy on the war film he really is is building up that comedy angle for some reason um, but uh, I have uh, a nice mixed bag here we have uh, science fiction with Star Trek 5 the final frontier um, post-apocalyptic drama with the postman comedy sketch comedy with movie 43 um, a fun um uh 80s movie tom cruise cocktail and then ending it with a nice uh, uh erotic drama of 50 shades of gray all right and uh my team here i think i've got a collection of films that each have uh, interesting vision and a lot of good foundational stuff can always uh whet the appetite with the emoji movie and then get into the good stuff here of hudson hawk Wild Wild West, The Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn Part 2, an indecent proposal, so some comedy, some action, some drama, some romance, and uh, some some thriller 
going on there. So a lot for you to, to watch. So listeners, as we set up top, what you're voting on this time is which of these movies would you be willing to watch all of the films? So just sit down and go through the films uh, in a movie marathon and you can vote for that on Spotify. So we're, we're we run the podcast through Spotify. So right now that's where the poll is available. Um, if you scroll down, if you're already listening on Spotify, the poll is right there. If you're not on Spotify, as we said, with the question and answer time, you can click the link. It'll open up the app and you can click on the podcast and uh, vote for the winner as well as answer the question for this episode. And of course, the other thing you can do, share this episode with anyone you know that uh, loves a movie, maybe loves an underappreciated movie or a bad film and wants to also debate which of these Razzie films is the most watchable. Um, We'd love to get feedback from as many people as possible on our picks. So that's it. Uh, I think we mentioned probably several of the ones we thought of as alternates, but is there any movies that didn't come up that uh, you guys think are worth mentioning real quick before we wrap it up. Well, it should be said that my movies, Final Frontier, Postman, Movie 43, Cocktail, Fifty Shades of Grey, this is coincidentally is the list of movies that I usually show. Um, I would show, uh, you know, uh, a girl if I started dating her. This is the movies I would first show her. Um, all right, so go so ahead and call I'm Holly in and odd, uh, tell odd, her, odd, let odd, us odd get odd her things. opinion on all these movies. Um, so the, what I had left on my board, I was really toying with, um, um, Michael's going to hate me here. Uh, last airbender and fantastic four. Cause I had seen them both and, uh, they're at the bottom of my list, but I'm like, if I have to pick one, which one, you know, do I pick? And the other one I hadn't seen, but I thought about drafting is battlefield earth. I feel like it's just one of those movies you need to have seen to know how bad it was so you can did you say you, know, you haven't seen that one i haven't seen that one. Oh, you do need to watch it yeah that's what i'm saying so i thought about drafting that one because i feel yeah. like you could tell the audience hey you you need to watch this so you can mm-hmm. be a part of the this movie's terrible you know group so mm-hmm. that's kind of so it. that one i almost wanted you to pair with the postman because you've got this post-apocalyptic world mm-hmm. going on in battlefield yeah. Yeah, it's it's all kinds of bad. Yeah, there's um, there were a lot of movies that I like Howard the Duck. I I would be kind of interested in seeing it. The fact that it's a practical effect for the duck is interesting to me. Yeah, it's um, it's a pretty rough watch. Oh, <laughs> uh, but there's a good uh, how did this get made episode on it that you can listen to <laughs> after you watch it. Uh, you know what? Why don't I just check that out instead? Skip. Yeah, the <laughs> yeah. That's. I think that's a solid bet. I think I heard um, that the the soundtrack yeah. was good for it. Yeah, it's it's got a pretty good soundtrack. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I said I I mentioned I was looking at cats. It became like a weird thing um, where a lot of people went and saw it, but people were going to see it because of how bad it was. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know how well that plays. Like it seemed to be people had fun in a theater going experience where you could like go with your friends and uh, kind of enjoy how bad it was collectively. So I don't know how well that would translate to somebody just watching like a whole collection of movies. 
Um, and so because it was a lot longer and a, um, you know, musical that some people really don't like, um, that's why I kind of shied away from it. Hmm. As for the last airbender, you know, I, I guess I could hate watch that and, <laughs> yes. and just criticize it the entire time. I think that's yeah. what I've done when I, I watched it the first time. Um, you yeah. could maybe make it fun if you dressed in cosplay when you went to see it and then like everybody just hated on <laughs> yeah, it the entire time a, in the theater. Yeah. Have a group that just boos every time it ruins something from a beloved uh, property. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't, I have not watched the movie and I have not watched. I still, we haven't watched the show. It's, it's on our list to watch. Uh, but I have seen a scene. I watched a video where someone was breaking down like bad dialogue and they, they just played a, a scene um, from this movie. That is, it was some of the most horrendous diet, like a lot of exposition, but just delivered in the weirdest way like mm-hmm. written in the, I was like, it the it was a uh, well yeah it it was some of the worst dialogue i'd ever don't seen. yeah i don't don't watch the movie first or anything like just don't watch that uh, oh yeah no i was not playing property just start with the regular regular animation and i think the animation has has uh moved to netflix now i think it's on netflix and i want to say that they're working mm. on live action uh production as well as a new animation for yeah i knew the new animated one was with like the I, I think it's the characters grown up i think that's what i heard mm-hmm. so yeah yeah i think uh i think it and um cora are both on netflix so uh yeah we plan on watching it's one that um our oldest daughter is kind of interested in watching too so like we're the younger ones aren't as much, so it might be something we watch as like a family eventually. Cool. All right. Well, that listeners wraps us up for this episode. As always, thanks for tuning in. That's me blowing a raspberry. Oh man! <laughs> thanks for listening to this awful movie episode of What's on Draft. 